Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It is now uh, Sunday, April 3rd. This is the Island College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me. I got Sam Bassini with me. We are all in Houston at the Final Four. We were all in in uh, NRG Stadium uh, last night uh, for the National Semifinals, which uh, uh, were blowouts on both sides. Villanova 95-51 over Oklahoma. North Carolina six, uh, 83-66 over uh, Syracuse. As I tweeted last night, I don't know. Um, exactly who our next president of the United States is going to be, but we need somebody who can make the <laughs> Final Four great again. What a mess that was. I mean, congratulations to Villanova. Congratulations to North Carolina. But in terms of exciting basketball games, there there wasn't much there, was there, Sam? You know what the most exciting part of my night was last night? Hmm. Someone took a photo of our dear colleague, Matt Norlander, while he was, like, chewing on ice. And if you haven't seen the photo yet, it's glorious. Like, like... I can't even explain the derp face that Norlander is making. What, what's, what's going on with your face, Norlander? You want to address that right at the top? Then we'll try to figure out what was wrong with Buddy Hill. Yeah, yeah. No, I... Uh, Who had a worse my, night? Your mouth or Buddy Hill? Uh, I think Buddy Hill. But my, I was mid-ice chomp, and uh, I was rocking a glorious, as I have for many years, Guster's for Lover sticker, and fighting uh, a cold. So I just kept drinking water and chewing on ice all night. And then uh, the... The guy who does screen caps on Twitter at CJ Zero caught me mid ice chomp and said, "Okay, who has the Guster sticker?" And it just kind of got out of hand from there. But shout out to Guster, shout out to Devin Downey. Guster actually gave me uh, like a full rundown on their Facebook page. Best alternative pop band of the past twenty years. So, yeah, well, uh, so here, here's the deal: so you came to me before the game, and we had uh, I think two seats on one side of the court and another seat on the other side of the court. And I was like, because uh, I'm pretty easygoing. I was like, you know what? I can stay here or whatever, but I think I'll just sit here because I've got to be back out of the TV set for the second game and blah, blah, blah. And you said, okay, no, it's cool. You were very, like, willing to let me have the seat that I had already picked out. And you said, uh, you know what? There's one on the other side. I think I'll just go over there. It turns out, and I feel like you knew this in advance, it was the TV seat. Like, it was basically, in terms of the broadcast, it, it was uh, Jim Nance. And then when the camera wasn't on Jim Nance, it was on you. Yeah, I did not know where the seat was, but I was actually specifically asked to sit there the day before by the media coordinator. So Why um, is that? So, that I mean, that's just weird. Tell me why you think that is. Like, why I would a media know. coordinator care where you sit? I don't know. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> like, surely you, you can understand how weird that is, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, shout out to Dave Warlock as well, who does a tremendous job. Shout out to Devin uh, Downey. Yes, that's right. Um, but anyway... The games, they were stinkers, okay, which is a total bummer. And by the way, yeah. you know, we don't, we were almost due for this kind of thing in terms of having a couple of blowouts because it was actually, it's the first time since 2008 that both national semifinals ended in double digit margins. Of course, this one was historic because the margin between both was a combined 61 points. That's the biggest combined uh, blowout in Final Four history. So that's, you know, but what it does do, and I know we're going to get to the game, it, at least it sets up the title game between the two teams that have kind of played the best. Villanova's got an average win margin of like 24 points through the tournament. UNC's 16 points or so. But it was, Sam wrote about this, and I can have him talk more about it. It was a bummer to see like the really incredible season 
and career of Buddy Heald just completely uh, get wiped away by by a tsunami. I mean, it was just incredible to see what Villanova did. He was uh, he was really bad. He comes out, makes his first shot like 23 yeah. seconds into the game. You go, okay, here we go. This is what everybody came to see. That's why Vice President Biden is courtside. And then, like, who could have ever imagined? I use this uh, this sentence, I guess, in in my column, that the Buddy Hills three from the top of the key, like 23 seconds in, would be the final three pointer of his college career. Like just bananas, right? Like he makes one 30 seconds into the game, and it ends up being the final three pointer of his career. He was four twelve from the field. He was one of eight uh, from three point range. Held the single digits for just the second time this entire season. Sam, uh, I know you were in the locker room with him afterward. Shell shocked or like whatever? Like what was the reaction of Buddy Hill from what was um, about as bad a final performance? in a brilliant four-year career as you could as you could possibly have from a team perspective and from an individual perspective yeah like it was crazy like you said like that was his last three-pointer that that wasn't even just his last three-pointer that was his last made jump shot yeah. like his other three field goals in this game were all layups at the rim after they were closed out hard on him like it's kind of crazy to think that one of the most celebrated and decorated shooters of the last you know, what, 20 years or so. I mean, he had a shot, like an outside shot to break Steph Curry's three point record at the final four this year for a single season. And it ends like that without a single jumper made in the last 39 minutes of his last game. It was weird. And I mean, I don't even know how to explain the way that Buddy was in the locker room. I would say shell shock. I mean, I've uh, I, I've probably written as many words on the internet about Buddy Heald as anyone who doesn't, who isn't like a beat writer for Oklahoma, right? Uh, and I've never seen him not smile. Uh, you know, like he'll have sentences where he doesn't smile, but like never for like a full media session or never for like a full game have I ever seen him like not smile on the floor and not just like be that like gregarious self that he typically is. And you know, that entire second half of that game, that entire uh, post-locker room session with the media, I, I don't think I saw him smile once. And it was a weird, weird thing to see because, you know, that it's one of those things that's become so synonymous with Buddy, right? Like, like you see him and he's just like this happy-go-lucky dude that uh, really works hard and does all of the right things, so to speak. But, yeah, it was weird. The entire locker room scene with Oklahoma was, yeah, I would say shell shock is the best way to put it. That's how I did it in my column. Um, there was some anger. Uh, you know, Kadeem Latin w was relatively angry. I think everyone saw him. He, like, kind of punched his seat, it felt looked like, whenever he uh, fouled out of the game. And, you know, he, he's going through a lot of stuff, obviously. I mean, his grandmother yeah, passed as well. And, and, I mean, hopefully he can kind of come back from this and be uh, a star player for them next year. Uh, uh, Jordan Woodard was uh, relatively upset. And, you, you know, the rest of the team was just, just, it was just shock. It was a weird... Weird setting. It was very quiet, so to speak. It wasn't even like, wasn't anger. It wasn't fully teary. It, it was just like a quiet Paul kind of over the entire team. And it was a, it, it was a really strange thing. I don't think I've ever seen a game like that, honestly, either, where a team goes in with a national player of the year candidate, uh, who should be the national player of the year in our opinion at CBS, and they they just go out in the final four and lose by 44 points to a team that is 
relatively imperfect that just played the perfect game. Well, you know, I, I do think it, that's, it's, it's crazy. No, it is crazy. And, and it, it's sort of, it, it's the latest chapter in what has been a crazy NCAA tournament from that perspective. Meaning, um, they think about how many things we've seen in this tournament that we quote, never seen before, or that quote seemed crazy. Okay. Like yeah. uh, uh, middle Tennessee beating Michigan state, never seen the, a team with the second best odds to win a national championship. Uh, lose its opening game in the NCAA tournament. Northern Iowa uh, blows a 12-point lead with 34 seconds. We'd never seen a team like in the history of uh, college basketball blow a 12-point lead with less than a minute to play. Um, Virginia, Tony Bennett, this team that plays at a slow tempo and takes care of the ball and um, is one of the best coach teams in America, blows a 15-point lead with nine and a half minutes. We'd never seen anything like that. Crazy. And then we watch... Villanova beat Oklahoma by 44 points in the final four. It's the largest margin of victory in final four history. It's the largest margin of victory in this NCAA tournament. So like when the ones played the 16th, the two played the 15th, three played the 14th, anybody played anybody, nobody beat anybody else by 44 points. And yet Villanova beats Oklahoma by 44 points. And it comes after Oklahoma had beaten Villanova by 23 earlier in the season. And if my math is correct, that's a 67 point difference, which is like something we haven't seen in a bazillion years either in a rematch. So like Norland, like this last night was crazy. But like when we look back on this NCAA tournament, I do think one of the storylines that will forever be attached to it, to the extent that there is a such thing, um, it'll be like, we sure did see a bunch of stuff we'd never seen before. I think that's actually very on point and could, depending on what we get on Monday night, um, that might end up being the defining thing about this tournament. Uh, I do found, I find it interesting how Villanova's shooting percentage last night overall from the field, 71.4%. It's the second best ever appropriately to Nova in 85 when it was just crazy, crazy good. Without a three-point line, by the way, against Georgetown when they shot 78.6%. Um, and somebody and did other- somebody did on that point. I, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. Maybe it was uh, John Gasway, But somebody tweeted last night that this Villanova team's effective field goal percentage was actually better than the seventy eight percent or whatever it was right. uh, uh, mm-hmm. that that eighty five Villanova had. So uh, obviously the three point line changes things. But uh, bottom line, what we saw last night was one of the great all time offensive performances in Final Four history, and probably one of the all time great defensive performances in Final Four history. They both came from the same team. It really, yeah, it's wild. And in College Basketball Reference, the, the the Twitter account behind who, whoever runs that, also tweeted, this is, like, the, uh, I still feel like we're not appropriately taking in the amount of shock that we should be with Villanova. Just, like, Oklahoma was one of the five best teams in the country this year. It became the first top two seed in the history of the tournament to lose by that many points. And not only that, but the previous record was 27 you just could not have even remotely thought like if you wanted to say, yeah, I just think Villanova's going to have one of those great nights. They've been playing so well. Um, maybe Oklahoma's office mm-hmm. doesn't show up. I'm, I'm feeling like a 20 point win. Like that would have been hard to believe, but you're like, okay, if everything goes the exact right way for Nova and, and Oklahoma just cannot get it going. And buddy goes like one for nine from three. Fine. But to win by 44 and, to basically be calling for the bench guys to come in with five minutes to go in a final four game. It's utterly bonkers. And I, and I feel like the further we move away from this in the years to come, 
it will it will seem even more bizarre. Like I just think we're always. I know the game wasn't great, but the margin is so shocking. I do feel like this will become like a really historic thing. Like we remember how UNLV just trounced Duke sure. in 1990, right? That that became part of the early legacy of Shashevsky because obviously Duke came back the next year. It was a huge underdog to the undefeated Vegas team in 91. It got over the hump. It won back-to-back titles. But that whole thing started, it was almost like Jordan's Bulls against the Pistons. Before they won all those titles, they could, they were getting smacked around by Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and company. Oklahoma won't have the same roster, and it's not apples to apples. But I do think that no matter what Villanova does against Carolina on Monday night, the enormity and the historic, um, the unprecedented, unprecedented nature of the performance, I think, is just something that we'll always remember. If it's if it's a stinker, by the way, like if Villanova beats Carolina like by 12 points, that's not a great game. Um, we'll remember for Jay Wright being his, his first title and, and Villanova, you know, having a second title and all that. But I think we might end up remembering the Villanova, th- uh, the Oklahoma beatdown just as much because of the Buddy Heald factor. Um, and props, to, you know, just real quick, like props to Nova for continually being this good, this consistently. You know, they were just, we talked about it on the podcast, but I want to reiterate it. Like this program and Jay Wright, were absolutely just crushed the past two years because no one thought they were any good despite getting high seeds in the tournament. And you could not do more to prove those people wrong than what they've done. They are killing every opponent. The only one that they haven't crushed is Kansas. And even then, they played tremendously against Kansas. So I, I what I hope here is that we get a good title game because both of these teams, like I don't know if I had a close game against Kansas and Carolina got pushed a little bit by Notre Dame and all that. But overall... You know, they have not been playing thrillers. It would be great if we get these teams that have been averaging, you know, these huge double-digit margin wins. Finally, they give us a, a fantastic finale on Monday night. And the finale is going to be Monday night. Of course, the other uh, semifinal was North Carolina over Syracuse. Final score, 83-66, whatever. Uh, the, the better team won. Uh, Carolina performed yeah. um, the, the way that it was supposed to perform. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say there. Let's just look forward to Monday night. It is Carolina against Villanova. It is, um, you know, it's funny in this year where, um, you know, I, I think it became routine for people to say things like, you know, I won't be surprised if an eight seed ends up in the championship game or, you know, God, anybody could win the national championship this year. Uh, what we actually end up with is two preseason top 10 teams. What we actually end up with is an ACC outright champ against the Big East outright champ. What we actually end up with is two teams that were both ranked. Uh, number one in the country during this regular season. And as you point out, Norlander, two teams that are uh, playing better than anybody else in the country right now. Although I wonder if that's almost by default in most years. Like it, to get to the national championship game, you got to almost kind of be playing better uh, than everybody well, else. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. real quick, GP. Like I, I, I agree. It's almost by, it's, it's, you know, cause and effect by nature. Right. right. But um, I say, even I wrote last night when I, when I wrote one of my, my pieces from the stadium, even if you removed like, the, uh, what happened on Saturday or wanted to remove what happened in the Elite Eight games. Like, through the first three rounds of the tournament, these two teams looked better than anyone that was playing. I agree. So they, were, they had been on pace to do this. And by the way, um, we don't always get, on the night of the title game going into it, the top two rated teams in the tournament. This is actually the first time since 08 that the number one and number two teams in Ken Palm will play heading into Monday night. It's only happened four times since 2002. So it's not an every year kind of thing where the actual top two rated teams, when that ball tips off, will be playing. We do get it tonight, and obviously, if we got anything close to 08, 
Kansas over Memphis in overtime, you know, we'd be thrilled. Uh, shout out to Mario Chalmers. Shout out to Robert Dozier. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, like, this is one of those games. As a gambler, there's always these, and, and Sam, you'll be able to speak to this. There's always these things that you bet on. And when you do it, mm-hmm. you go, okay, this makes perfect sense. This is the way I'm going to go. I feel strongly about it. Let's let's get paper. And then as sure. soon as the game starts, and I'm talking about it doesn't matter, baseball, football, anything, WNBA, love the WNBA. Shout out to the Minnesota Lynx. Um, Who's your girl in WNBA, Shoney Schimmel? Showtime Schimmel, dog. Showtime Schimmel. You love Shoney Schimmel. She cost me so much money in the WNBA All-Star game one time, and rather than get mad at her, I just jumped on her bandwagon. <laughs> And now our coach hates her. They won't even play her half the time because her coach hates her because she's got the worst shot selection in the history of basketball. <laughs> I love her. talking about right now. <laughs> Showtime Schimmel, dog. Showtime Schimmel. <laughs> you can't even buy a Showtime Schimmel jersey. Every time I tried to buy one, it was like sold out. I how, spent, many, how, many, how many points would Showtime Schimmel put up on Villanova? 42 at least. 42 at least. That's what I thought. She's strong, man. She's a former Louisville Cardinal. She's a Louisville Lady Cardinal. What else do you okay. need to know about her? <laughs> I know everything about Showtime Shimmel. So here's the thing. My point is this. You, um, so you, you, you calculate everything. You make it make sense. You put your money down on it. And then right after it starts, you go, and it goes the other direction, you go, oh, my God. Why? why? I can't believe I talked myself into going this way. And this game seems like it's set up perfect for, perfectly for that. Because on one hand, North Carolina's got better players. North Carolina's, uh, I don't want to say been better most of this year, but most people think North Carolina has been the better team, even if, if um, uh, Kim Palm maybe hasn't shown that uh, recently. In other words, I could see a scenario where you bet on Villanova and then, and then North Carolina wins the game and you go, why would I have bet against North Carolina? Like everybody said they were the best team. Everybody said they were the favorite. What am I doing? On the other hand, yeah. on the other hand, you bet on North Carolina and then Villanova wins the game. And you know what you say? How in the world did I bet against a team that just won by 44 points? Like, why would you do the team that just won by 44 and shot 890% in the national semifinals and shut down the national player of the year and they were getting points? They made the team that won by 44 an underdog and I still bet against them? Am I the dumbest gambler in the world? Like, no matter how this goes down, I think whoever's on the wrong side of it, Gambling wise is going to feel like an idiot because you can talk yourself into any into either side, but then completely understand why you're going to be totally wrong by the time the final buzzer goes off. Does that make any sense? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I genuinely have no idea what to expect. No idea. We had to do we do expert picks this morning for uh, CBS and I was just like uh, UNC. I guess Uh, like I I didn't I didn't know what to pick because like like you said, how do you how do you pick against the team that just won by 44 points and shut down the national player of the year and held them to nine points? Like, how, and then, how and then does, on the other hand, how, how do you pick against, uh, Yeah, and then how do you pick against the Carolina team that looks awesome? Yeah, yeah, no, like seriously, you look at the front court of North Carolina. I think that's going to be where the biggest difference comes into play because that that whole matchup is fascinating in general. Because you know what does North Carolina do? Their small lineups haven't really looked all that great this year, uh, but their big lineups are kind of a weird matchup thing because Chris Jenkins is strong enough to go inside and defend, but he's you know athletic enough to come outside and shoot the ball in North Carolina's forwards aren't real comfortable outside uh, whenever they're outside the paint and have to deal with perimeter players so 
how does that even go down? I don't even know. Like, who who plays on Bryce Johnson? Like, who do they run that goofy zone like they've been running a lot of the time this year? Like, there are just so many weird factors uh, going through this game that I don't even know. uh, I can't even begin to have, like, a fully competent, like, Say, like stance on yeah. this is going to happen well, me, you know yeah let me say this norlander um because i thought it was interesting last night after the game we were on set outside nrg stadium and we were uh, starting to set up the national championship game and doug gottlieb i'll give him credit it was doug gottlieb he had a uh, a really interesting story um about chris jenkins and because one of the points i made in my expert analysis is that uh Listen, I don't care how they match up with Carolina. Like, whoever has to try to guard Bryce Johnson is in a bad spot because you're giving up. It's like it doesn't matter who who Villanova puts on Bryce Johnson, giving up two or three inches to one of the uh, the best front court players in America, maybe the best front court player in America. So, like, that's an obvious matchup problem for Villanova. And Gottlieb said, you know, first, I agree. Like, the, 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 I hear you. But he said he had a conversation one time with the Villanova staff. And perhaps this is common knowledge, but I had never heard this story. And he said, when they first went to see Chris Jenkins, um, they just thought he was an f- undersized, fat front court player. Like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And yet when they saw him, he was playing AU ball against Jolly Okafor. And he was kicking the hell out of Jolly Okafor. Not necessarily on the offensive end, but just pushing him and shoving him and fighting him. Right? He's a kid who went on to be a national champion to be the, uh, what, number three pick in the NBA draft. And one of the reasons that they decided to move on Jenkins is because that dude is tough and he doesn't care that he's given yeah. up five inches. Like he's in there fighting. And so that'll be interesting if they throw Jenkins on Bryce Johnson. Like will that stuff that Villanova initially um, saw in him, that, that attracted them to him, will that show up in the national championship game? He, you know, keep in mind, we've, we've watched NCAA tournaments in my adult life where Joe Mazzula guarded DeMarcus Cousins just because he was tough, right? So, like, let's, like, like, I don't know. I was just fascinated by, wow, like, one of the reasons Villanova, like, moved on Jenkins is because they fell in love with him fighting Jalo Okafor. Fast forward to Monday night, he might spend the national championship game uh, fighting with Bryce Johnson in a similar form. Like, I don't know. I'm just intrigued by that now. Yeah, um, I think the Jenkins factor is actually going to wind up being pretty significant for Villanova in, in this game. He has been getting better and better and better as the year has gone on, and over the past five weeks or so has been outrageously good. And yeah, he has uh, lost weight, changed his body. He initially wanted to go to Maryland and somewhere else, and neither school wanted him. Um, and so uh, initially, and so it was almost like Villanova was the fallback and it's it wound up being the perfect, perfect marriage for him. Um, I think he can have a big game. See, the thing that I've always loved about Villanova is what Josh Hart did against Oklahoma. He wasn't even like super dominant, but he was unstoppable whenever he wanted to be. And then the supporting cast was kind of there to lift him up and they did whatever they wanted. I, I'm somewhat of the school of, you kind of need a guy, but Villanova doesn't necessarily have a guy. They honestly will pop. Like, Arch has been fantastic throughout the tournament, right? Hart has done what he's done. Jenkins has been an absolute just dynamo and, and been so fantastic. And even Bridges, is, who's the best NBA prospect on the team, uh, has his flashes of, of really impressive play. But I think Jenkins should have a pretty, pretty big game uh, on Monday night. I, I'll say, I mean, I know we got to wrap up here. I think I'm going to take Nova here. Um, no, it's nuts, and they're not going to break it. But 
they are on pace right now. So the UCLA 67 team with uh, Lou Alcindor, that's the all-time record. In fewer games, by the way, they didn't have to play six to win a title. They won that tournament by an average margin of 23.8 points. Right now, Villanova's at 24.2. I mean, if you're telling me Carolina loses by more than 20 points to Villanova, Villanova will then have a case legitimately, statistically, of the greatest tournament run in NCAA history, which would be insane. I'm going to go Nova because I do think Jenkins will play well. Um, The backcourt matchup is very fascinating to me, without a doubt. Uh, but more than anything, I just hope that we get a good one because, you know, we, let, let's be honest, GP, what, what you said, I think, is, is I want to reiterate the fact that we've had these really random, weird, notable, shocking outcomes and the way we've gotten to this final with the way that Virginia blew it and Michigan State and, you know, Northern Iowa being on the good and the bad of it and the historic, uh, the biggest, you know, blowout win in Final Four history with Villanova. Um, we're kind of due for a good one here, so I, I really hope that we can. I think that we, we should, um, but I agree with Sam. I just don't have a good grasp on, on where this thing's going to go because both these teams have shown how well they can play against the best teams in the country. The one thing I will say is this, and then I'll leave it for you guys to finish up. Villanova has, without a doubt, had a tougher road to get to the title game than Carolina. I don't know how much that will ultimately really matter, but I do know that Villanova has had to play the number one overall seed in the tournament and played them well. It had to play the best player in the tournament and a terrific offense and really a team that was good on both sides of the ball and absolutely decimated them. So I just wonder if that might not have some sort of impact. But I will say Nova like 76-72. Sam, the 2016 national champion will be? Well, I would even go a step farther than what Matt said. Like North Carolina or Villanova has probably played three teams tougher than any team that North Carolina has played. Uh, even when you throw in Miami to that equation as well. Um, I'm going to go North Carolina, um, 81 to 77. We'll say, cause I said that they were going to cover too. So I have to actually make sure that matches. Uh, yeah, let's go 81 to 77. And I'll go North Carolina, 75-71. But understand that um, I've been wrong about everything. Like, yeah, I missed both games against the spread last night, so well, don't listen I, to I, I at least got North Carolina right. But, it, 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 like, that Villanova-Oklahoma game, like, made everybody look dumb. Because, like, yeah. we spent four and a half hours on Friday talking about it on television. And then another two hours pregame yesterday – and, like, my main, like, thought on the whole deal that I re- kept repeating and repeating was, you know what, the only thing that will surprise me is if either one of these teams runs away from the other. The only thing that will surprise me is if we're under in the under four-minute timeout, we're not in a one-possession game. Or, uh, or at least uh, whichever team's down is within striking distance. I do think this is going to be a, a fun and competitive basketball game. And then Villanova emptied his bench with five minutes to go. Like what? Like I could not have been more wrong. But the other thing is, like everybody was wrong. Nobody saw that coming. But um, so Villanova fans, congratulations! You're probably winning the national championship because I just picked North Carolina to win the national championship. And honestly, I'm only doing it because um, I picked it in the preseason. Not that I was like out on a limb. I, you know, I, North Carolina was the favorite in the preseason. But it just sounds better to wake up Tuesday and be able to say, "Yeah, I had this peg back in October," uh, than it is to move off of North Carolina at this point. So I'll ride my October pick and. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. But it should be a fun basketball game. I, you know, To Norlander's point from earlier, 
Um, I don't know that these have been the two best teams all year long, uh, but they seem to be the two best teams in America right now. The two really good teams um, that are playing uh, significantly better uh, than everybody else. So uh, we will all three uh, be in the building tomorrow. And in fact, uh, we're getting ready to head back to the building right now. You guys got press conferences all day. Um, we'll be doing a live bracket breakdown show from uh, just outside NRG Stadium uh, a little later on this afternoon uh, on CBS Sports Network. So if you're catching this before then, uh, make sure to tune in. And remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get your hands on the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So go do that, and uh, we will talk to you again real, real soon. Take care.